0: Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode thirty. Interview with Emily Andrus. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host Stephanie, and I'm Annie, and I'm Chris. And we are super, super, super excited this week because we got to interview Emily Andrus. I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> Annie went up to her and talked to her a little bit at Fan Expo and said something about, be- about shitting herself, and apparently that's the key to Emily Andrus' heart, because
1: <laughs> she agreed to come on the show and answer our questions. Woohoo! Okay, my, my exact quote was, I went up to her and gave her a drinks at the doll podcast card, and I said, oh, you know, my friends and I, I co-host podcasts, and she goes oh i know you guys and my very undignified response that spilled out of myself my mouth was oh my god i'm shedding myself <laughs> and apparently that is memorable to emily andrus so <laughs> there you go so just a little a little tip for those out you out there
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: profanity works every day. <laughs>
0: Before we get started with the interview, I wanted to remind people that our Season 3 DVD set giveaway is still going on. So to enter the giveaway, you need to send an email to feedback at drinksofthedoll.com with the subject line Season 3 DVDs. That's the numeral three, not the word three. And in the email, please include your name where you are from, and then send us a link to either a favorite Lost Girl fan vid or fanfic that you really enjoy. Go to drinksatthedoll.com giveaway to see everything all written out for you. And there's also a handy little feedback form on that page that you can use to submit an entry. So we're really excited to welcome Emily Andrus with us today. So thank you so much for being with us. We kind of can't believe you're actually talking to us.
2: Uh, thank you. I can't believe it either. But uh, <laughs> obviously, you guys have something on me. And here I am. As long as you you know, go through with your part of the deal not to release those pictures. Oh, we'll be fine. Okay. No, just kidding. I'm okay. thrilled to be here.
0: <laughs> Good, because I really do want to release those pictures. Oh, okay. so. uh, yeah. I, I thank you for like being a good sport, and Emily actually came up with a troll cocktail in the spirit of her having kind of a reputation as a troll on social media, Again. and um, I don't know if you actually remember this. I'm going to include her troll cocktail recipe in the show notes, but I don't know if you actually remember this. This was a while ago on Twitter. I made, like I do, made a vagina joke at you okay. that, <laughs> that included the word Yannick in it, and you were like, oh, I really need a drink called a vodka Yannick. Oh, I do remember that. <laughs> and my friend Ben, well, actually his his drag queen persona, Rita, came, right. who's a bartender, came up with a vodka Yannick cocktail. Oh my gosh, we have to post that. I might include that as well. It includes plum vodka, cherry pucker, and some other stuff, of course. Good. And it had like a little cher- cherry floating in the top that he had kind of split open, and oh you, God. Can, you get the idea.
2: I do. I'm <laughs> blushing like a schoolgirl. You can't see me, but... My petticoats are a flutter. Um, well, nothing says Christmas holidays like a uh, vodka yonic. So that sounds perfect. Perfect timing, I think. The traditional vodka yonic. Excellent. Go Rita slash other persona.
0: Ben, yes. Ben. It, w- it was actually really appropriate. I was like, this is appropriate that you are Rita tonight to ask, make me a vodka yonic. So.
2: That sounds delicious. What do we serve it in? A uh, clamshell? Half coconut? <laughs> What is it traditionally served in? Well,
0: he just used a little old-fashioned glass, but that would be awesome if we could serve it in a clamshell. That would work. Let's
2: just, you know, make it your own, people. That's what I say. Make it your own. If we could start a hashtag Vodka Yonic and people send in photos, not saying it's going to take over the world, but let's just try and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So just to kind
0: of get started, uh, tell us how kind of you've got involved in Lost Girl. What drew you to the project?
2: Well, I have a very lovely friend who is a wonderful writer named Michelle LaVrata, who I worked with when I was sort of starting out in this business, and she was a wonderful mentor to me. Um, and I knew she was working on a project that was kind of Buffy-esque, but even a little bit more darker and a little more sexual. And she sent me the material, and it was phenomenal. Uh, and then I had heard she was pairing up with a gentleman named Jay Firestone, who is really well known for sort of, Female, strong female protagonist driven drama. Um, so I had never really done genre before, but I was a huge genre geek. Like my the famous line in my house is my partner says to me whenever I pick up a book, like when was the last time you read something without a wizard in it? So I really, really <laughs> love genre in my downtime. Um, So I was thrilled, and LaVretta uh, kind of took a chance on me because she knew me as a good character writer, but I hadn't done genre before. But I was privileged enough to come on board in season one with her and Jay and Pete Mohan, and the rest, as I say, is history. You know, I kicked her out and said, get the hell out of here. Took over. No, none of that happened. <laughs> but she left for other pastures. Uh, mostly she fell in love and moved to the States. And I was lucky enough to inherit this incredible show and uh, all its phenomenal fans with all their many opinions. Just kidding. I love you all. <laughs> all of you. Even you. You know who I'm talking about. But, uh, <laughs> no, I have um, just been so lucky to be a part of this incredible show and I can't believe what a fun world it is to play in. So that's kind of how I got started out with the show and it just can't seem to get rid of me.
0: So since you were talking a bit about the importance of strong female characters uh, and what kind of drew you to Lost Girl. And I've seen you use the word patriarchy in an interview. I'm going to ask if you consider yourself to be a oh, feminist God. writer at all.
2: Did I use it correctly?
0: Patriarchy? Yes, you did.
2: Yeah, good. Or I wasn't like, pass me that patriarchy. My guacamole is a little dry. Um, <laughs> so I do consider myself a feminist writer, 100%. But I think that is a very complicated term. You know of course, what I mean? Yeah. I truly mm-hmm. try to put my money where my mouth is as far as like feminism uh, it's it, I, I think doing what you got to do to define yourself uh and doing what makes you happy and feel empowered can make you a feminist you know what I mean so I really feel like it's funny I feel like a lot of people have a lot of opinions about what is a feminist and what makes a female character strong um but I'm interested in all the things that make women strong you know what I mean including all the things that make them vulnerable too um, but I definitely have never, I've actually never written on a show without a strong female protagonist, which is pretty funny. So I just, that's kind of my jam. I love that. I think there's a real lack of strong three-dimensional uh, female protagonists on television. It's gotten better in the last five years, I feel. Um, but women who are allowed to be all the things that women are. So yeah, that really, really um, inspires me. And another thing I love about Lost Girl that I feel is really rare on television is we have so many strong female characters. We have Lauren, we have Bo, we have Tamsin, we have Kenzie, we have the Morrigan, and just the interactions between strong female characters, I feel is incredibly unusual. So that's my favorite part of the show, Barnum. Sorry, boys, I love you too. But uh, that's definitely my favorite part of the show.
0: Well, and I really like with the with the female characters, I like that they are all different. And they're not just sort of a one, you know, copies of the same sort of cutout that are usually used for strong female characters so i really appreciate that about about lost girl
2: well thanks I, I think it's important i mean i think when you look at a group of girls obviously youtube being identical triplets you know <laughs> just kidding because no one can see you i can just say things like that um no but uh <laughs> identical triplets in grass skirts which was an unusual choice for this podcast no
0: especially since it's 20 degrees in dallas you know that the grass skirt is a little chilly it is a
2: little chilly <laughs> are you guys all in texas just me okay no. this, this is the just weird you.
1: part i'm in california these two are in texas but okay. right now she's in california I'm, with me yeah that doesn't yeah. work Out i can see you two together
2: you can't yeah. say one of you's in texas and one's in california amazing well michelle lavretta ended up in texas P.S., she's an austin girl now oh, so okay represent there you go track her down she'd love that just kidding please don't her <laughs> um <laughs> go over for thanksgiving dinner anyway yes sorry i'm digressing But um, yes, I really think it's important that the characters on the show are very, very different. Like as much as Bo is sort of confident sexually, I think it's interesting that maybe Kenzie is a little more tentative. You know what I mean? I mean, she's not. She's confident in so many other ways. Um, In the same way, you know, Bo has a very strict moral compass from her upbringing. Kenzie, you know, isn't afraid to kind of mess up those lines when it comes to stealing and taking what's hers. And she has her own sort of code of ethics, you know morrigan is obviously sort of a ruthless leader but i just think it's really hard to be a female leader i think you know you often get called a bitch or whatever lauren is such an unusual character on television and it's so gratifying that so many people have sort of responded to her because she's really sort of quietly strong she's smart and good but she isn't sort of this laugh out loud character all the time Uh, she just has this inner goodness you know, Tamson is very conflicted and very, you know, hard on herself and obviously has a very complicated past. So, yeah, I think that's really important to us that the characters are all different. They're certainly not cardboard cutouts, I don't think. I hope not.
0: Because so often I feel like for strong female characters, you know, they kind of are the same and, and you, you make them beat somebody up and, oh, you've got a strong female character right there. But I, I something actually I really appreciate about, about Lauren is that her strength really comes from like her intelligence. She's not a
2: physical person, mm-hmm. but she's still a very strong woman. Exactly. She knows her sort of gifts that she brings to the table a little bit. And I think there is a different kind of strength. I think You know, I get so many um, projects that kind of do list the female protagonist of like, she's got a leather jacket and drives an old fashioned Mustang and she can throw a right hook. And I'm like, that's all interesting and stuff like that. But it does become its own cliche. Or even I find Anna Silk, what she brings to the role of Beau, which really kind of transcended the character, I think is this vulnerability. You know what I mean? Like Beau is such a vulnerable person. She's so strong and so tough in so many ways, but she's really still trying to figure out how to be an adult, how to have a relationship, how to connect with people. And Lauren definitely, like don't, Lauren is a genius, basically. I mean, she's absolutely brilliant, but maybe not physically the toughest, but there's, there's value in that for sure.
3: You've made yourself very accessible to fans on Twitter and everything. So is that a conscious decision you made? Or is that something that you kind of can't avoid?
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was surprised how much I came to like Twitter. Like I don't love Facebook. And I don't always love the idea of social media. Just personally, I think it's really easy to be anonymous on social media and say things that you would never sort of have the guts or dare to say in public, for better or for worse. But I have absolutely fallen in love with Twitter. And I really feel like maybe this is wrong. I feel like we have such a tight-knit community with Lost Girl that I feel like I've come to know some of the fans personally. And I'm so amazed how diverse they are, you know, like how international they are and their levels of education really differ and where they come from is really different. You know, we have people in Texas and we have people in Iran. It's fascinating to talk to people who have found our little Canadian show who maybe live in places where this kind of behavior we're showcasing as normal on Lost Girl is completely prohibited. I think that's really rewarding. I really, really do love Twitter you know, I find that every season, if I'm being frank, it gets a little more rough around the edges. I mean, it's a sign that people are very invested in the show, you know, and just the nature of the show with the different romantic angles. Obviously, we have fans that are really, really divided on what they want. I'm a big girl. I like all the responses. I have like, I will weather almost anything on Twitter. I don't tolerate attacks on my crew, my writers, or my actors. Like for me, that's like, I'll block people if that happens. That's like my one kind of rule. I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? Try not to make it personal. If you hate the show or what we did this week, I can totally handle it. But don't attack Zoe Palmer or Chris Holden-Reed to my face. I just can't handle that. But I really do love Twitter. I really think it's such a delight. Like so much of writing is solitary, if we're being honest. Back in the day, you would write a script You know, it would be produced, but then it wouldn't air until a good 10 or 11 months until after you wrote it. So you'd be sitting on the couch, you know, eating a burrito by yourself, watching something you wrote, but you didn't get any response to it. So you really would kind of be putting it out there into the void. Like, boy, I hope people enjoyed that. So there's something really gratifying about uh, social media. And it has changed the way we watch TV. You know, I really love following the Lost Girl feed when a Lost Girl episode is on just because I feel like being part of that community has kind of enhanced watching the TV show. Like so many of you fans have found each other too, which I find really gratifying and interesting. You know, I certainly don't agree with every opinion on Twitter. You can't, everybody has a different opinion and a different want. And I always know where we're going. So I just sit back and laugh, but um, I really do enjoy it. I truly, truly find it gratifying. I don't think every showrunner gets off on that and, every showrunner shouldn't have to make themselves successful. You do have to protect your vision a little bit. So I do, I I presume I'm fairly unusual in that manner. So I have my times where I go dark, but I really love it.
3: Also, is it weird for you that we're totally fangirling right now?
2: (laughs) No, it's not weird for you. Is it weird for you that I'm wearing pink headphones? No, I like (laughs) it. it. It's awesome. I feel like I should be wearing a bulk ball gown or something but i'm literally <laughs> in my basement it would be way fancier than we ever are are you fangirling or did you expect me to be much smarter and are you kind of disappointed because your blank faces are kind of freaking me out <laughs> no no we're
3: no a no, this, we're, this is, is our panic face we're, we're listening and we're so nervous so. to talk to you because we've
1: been, <laughs> Why been are you so nervous excited it? about this for months, months.
2: <laughs> ladies pink headphones it's not working these are child headphones yeah. <laughs>
1: We wanted to ask um, how it works in the writing room and how do you, how do you split up assignments in the writing room? Um, How collaborative is is the process with all the other writers as a showrunner?
2: Right. Great question. Every showrunner is different, right? Like there are showrunners who are unapologetically a one man band. I think Aaron Sorkin is kind of like, it's my show. I'm going to write it and I'm going to do it brilliantly. And you know what you're up for. I'm very collaborative for a writer. I'm obviously fairly social, and i have come to really trust my writers we're very social it's very collaborative but someone has to be kind of the goalie you know what i mean someone oh you americans do you know what a goalie is just kidding yes oh, just, yeah. i'm just thinking hockey i'm like i've lost them i've lost them um, <laughs> yeah 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 what did she say was that offensive so you know it's important to have one person to kind of guide the ship for back, lack of better term but I really have some writers now who've been with me a long time. I'll give a little shout out. Steve Cochran, uh, Alex Zaroni, Jeremy Boxen flits in and out. Michelle LaBretta obviously comes in and out. And we got an amazing new writer in fourth season called Michael Grassi, who's incredible. But you do come to know your writers in the same way you know your actors. You know what I mean? So we tend to break the arc of the season as a whole. So we literally sit down and say, okay. Season nine, what's going to happen with Dr. Lauren Lewis this year? She's pregnant with the triplets. You know, Tamsin is the father. And he <laughs> you know, goes into a panic. I know. And he's like, whoa, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wanderer has turned out to be Sigourney Weaver. Who knew that was coming? Um, so we sort of do say, okay, what? What needs to happen this season, you know, and if we're being really, you know, writerly, we'll say, what are the themes we want Bo to go through this year? You know, what does she have to learn? But also, we really love that the fans are so smart now that I feel they've really bought into the concept of Lost Girl. They have bought into the characters and they have bought into the world. So in a way that has given us such a gift going forward in that we can really complicate matters. We can do more serialized storytelling. It can be less case of the week. So we really try to do an arc. Who's the big bad? Who's going to live? Who's going to die? Who's going to love? Who's going to cry? Those sort of storylines. And once we have the big arc and we pitch it to the big, the big boss, Jay Firestone and the network has to sign off on it. Um, Showcase is amazing by the way. They're so incredibly supportive. I can't say enough about them. Truly, truly. I've worked in a lot of TV and they, are just such fans of the show and really let us they've obviously let us push the agenda which is incredible so they deserve a lot of kudos then we sort of break individual episodes that's what we call it when you stand in front of a board and you literally do the beats of an episode so we start off a scene with Bo and dyson in a boxing ring they're gonna have sex sorry everyone they're gonna have sex <laughs> um is everyone here a docubus fan i should know this but i'm like what what waters am i wading into here Oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) They coined a term
1: for me since I stick up for Docubus every episode. They're like, you don't get a filibuster, Annie. You get a Docubuster, coined by by our friend Sally. So they made a sound effect for me and everything where I can have my five minutes of Docubus. Oh,
2: okay, five minutes of Docubus. Whoa, they have capped you. You have better stick to your talking points. uh... (laughs) All right, so... For example, that, you know, so we'll break every beat in the episode, we'll literally break scene by scene. And we tend to do that as a group. But as I said, because I know my writer's strengths and weaknesses, I'll say, okay, Steve, Steve really likes the darker stuff. So maybe he has an episode idea about a character that's really dark. Alex is really a genius at the procedural stuff. So we try to tailor the episodes or, you know, comedy. Michael's really good at the comedy. I tend to really like the comedy as well. I like the highs and lows. I like the comedy and the angst. So we tend to assign the episode to a writer based on their skill set. But again, it's such a complicated show. I feel like the writers we have now really do have a large skill set. You have to be funny. You have to be able to do romance, drama. There's a procedural element which is you know the case of the week you have to understand the mythology. it's a co- it's a complicated show to run to be completely honest and to write so you know we try to find people with all those skills and then uh, all the scripts ultimately go through me you'd be amazed how many drafts we do we end up doing about 10 drafts of every episode i know there's wow. a million people now saying maybe you should do 10 more because Ugh. lauren did not get enough screen time <laughs> but uh, just just come at me on twitter so that's how it happens kind of thing guys and it's about a six-week process from the beginning of a script to the end of a script of it going on screen
1: so i'm curious as a showrunner how much time do you actually spend on set have you ever had a scene that you've written or seen the writers do that you watch it come alive on set and you're like wow that just took it to a whole new place i was not expecting
2: oh all the time like I'm such a gusher. I have no poker face, but I just think our actors are so incredible. Basically, every time Cassandra solo is on set, I'm just like, oh, bring the Kleenex. <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it's really a full-time job. I mean, my priority is the scripts, but so much of my job as a showrunner, you're literally running the show. So I'm responsible for casting guest characters. I'm responsible for signing off on wardrobe. I'm responsible for signing off on special effects. Meetings on how we're going to get locations, how we're going to be able to shoot this episode in seven days instead of 11 days, all that stuff. So my whole day is meetings, time on set, and going home and having homework. So I basically don't see anybody for six months, which is fine, except you Twitter people, which is great. I'm trying to think of some specific scenes. There have been so many scenes I've been on set and just been blown away by. One this year that's obvious is I was really blown away by the tango this year in the premiere. I mean, I just can't speak highly enough to how hard those boys worked. like Ksenia too, but Ksenia has some dance background, but Chris and Casey were basically scared shitless, which was good for them. And they worked their butt off. We had, you know, dance doubles on the ready and they were determined not to have them. And so often when you have these big sequences, you know, we, often, we still are a Canadian show. We don't have Game of Thrones budget. So sometimes those things are a little bit hard to execute, but that was an example of something where I just could see the heart and the passion put into it. Um, there's an uh, there's some amazing Cassenia anisines this year that just blew me away. Yes, there might be some Zoe anisines that were pretty good, you know. If I had to say, um, and the big thing I oh oh someone got shoved. Uh, <laughs> Okay, there I could see the fangirling. I could physically see the fangirling, but um, I feel like everyone got better this year, you know, and sometimes things really surprise you. Like when you put characters who maybe aren't necessarily together that often, like Rachel and Cassania turned out to be gold or Paul and Chris turns out to be fabulous. So it's hard to be on set all the time. I tend to try to go for things that are quite important. But again, the writer of the episode is on set for the entirety of their episode when they're filming it so they're kind of there in case people want to change lines or try something new or something's not emotionally hitting but i'm not on set as much as i would like to be because i have to concentrate on the scripts and the meetings and the prep by the time it gets to the floor i should have done my job and everybody should know what they're doing mostly
0: so do you have a show bible for the show
2: We do, but we are very lax in updating it every year because we have quite a small department. So I just go on Twitter and I'm like, does anyone remember what the brownie was wearing? (laughs) You guys are basically the show Bible. And, you know, I constantly get abused of like, um, excuse me, Ksenia clearly said this in episode 202, and then you said this in 304. Um... (laughs) It's funny, it is such a complicated show now. Michelle Lavretta initially wrote a show, Bible, and certainly we have some really interesting documents. We have one document that is just a historical timeline of when we think what happened, because we have these faiths who have lived for thousands of years, right? So we have a sort of timeline of, okay, okay this was the first blood war with Trick. This is when we think Dyson left his pack. This is approximately when Hale was born. You know, this is when the Morgan was at Studio 54, whatever. Um, we have those kind of documents. We have a list of all the mythological creatures we've used and all the names we've used. But the Bible isn't as particular anymore. It's funny. I always heard with Lost, which was such a crazy show, that they had a coordinator who was basically a walking encyclopedia. So he had the best job. He was the only person who could retain all the knowledge of what had happened in every episode because it was such a complicated show. So like, I'm sure he was insured up the yin yang. Because if he'd gone missing, they would have been like, Ah, we don't <laughs> remember anything. <laughs> Did the polar bears have sex with Sawyer? We can't remember. That would have been an interesting show. Yeah, that would have been a better show. I think
1: not a better show. We could have had polar bear triplets.
2: Exactly, polar bear triplets. Hmm, writing that down. (laughs) (laughs) Sexy polar bears. Um, So we do have one, but it is mostly just kept in our brains, which is terrifying.
0: Yeah, it's funny you mentioned asking fans on Twitter, because I've actually said for a really long time that TV shows should maybe consider, after the first season, hiring like a really outspoken, dedicated fan, because, oh my gosh, do we remember like these little details that y'all are thinking,
2: what? What are you talking about? I I know, exactly. Are you volunteering? For the cheap rate of a thousand dollars an hour. Well played, Stephanie. Well played. You only went thirty minutes before you asked for a job. Well done. Stephanie would probably be
3: pretty good in that role. I actually, act, I'm act waiting would. for Annie
2: to be like, does Zoe need a foot handler? Because I'm also <gasps> willing to. <laughs>
0: well, Anna has talked about having a boob wrangler, so we know that that job is already taken. So <laughs> she does have a boob
2: wrangler. I know, and she's constantly like, I need the ladies readjusted. I know. She's so amazing that. Anna. (laughs) Um, Well, I would think about that, but to be honest, don't kill me. The truth is that sometimes you want to be able to break the rules. You know what I mean? Like, logic is important, but sometimes logic is the enemy of story. You know what I mean? Like you're always, the famous line from a network executive was, well, a Martian would never say that. Well, who knows what a Martian's <laughs> going to say, you know? So I do take it all with a grain of salt. Like, um, yes, we need to track some of it, but you know, the Fey world is a mysterious one and we always want to be able to twist and turn the rules within reason, within reason. So there you go. Well, you
3: know,
1: it's a fantasy, fantasy show. It's, yeah, yeah.
2: It's fine. Yeah, exactly.
1: Because we're always like, Oh, it's a fantasy show, so and so can come back from the dead. We don't believe they're actually dead because
2: there are no rules, so It's true. Except I feel very strongly that not everybody can come back from the dead. Okay. Because then there's no state but then there's no stakes, right. right? There has to be yeah. some states where like certainly some people have to be dead dead. Some people okay. there has to be a reason why people can come back from the dead. That's my reason in the in the writer's room. I'd be like, But why are they able to you know, mm-hmm. recover from being hit by 12 buses or whatever. <laughs> well, sure. That's but a as bad an audience, day, man. You don't know <laughs> what yeah, the writers are going day. to come up with. So. That's yeah. true. I know you don't, but I guarantee it will be nutty. I guarantee it will be nutty. So there you go. So do you have, um, like, an overarching
1: arc to how the series will end? Do you have a vague idea that nine seasons later, or do you know vaguely what your plan is for how you know this is how I want how many seasons I don't want the show to go on
2: right well I do but not divulge instead of yeah exactly of I know subjects. exactly yeah. you're gonna have to give me a lot of those uh magic vodka vagina jokes to make me cough it up though <laughs> <laughs> um can't read on the case but um well I do but who knows if I'm gonna be around to the end right it's like a lot of cooks in the kitchen this is the thing I'm sure Jay Firestone has a different idea of how he wants it to end and showcase would have an opinion and I have an opinion there are some things I feel like are set in stone. Like obviously those origins are going to come calling one way or another. I would love to do a lost girl movie. That's my secret. If we had enough in the audience, I would love to have like a big blasting, fun kind of firefly type event. Uh, you know, at least 200 viewers would be amazing. No, <laughs> uh, I don't know, but, uh, I have lots of dreams. It depends what happens with the show, but yeah, I, I certainly have an opinion about how, it could end. But you know what? Part of the joy of being a showrunner and a writer is seeing it evolve, seeing characters evolve and actors evolve and stories evolve in a way you don't expect. You have to be open to it. You know, you have to see people's strengths and weaknesses, see what the fans respond to and what they don't. Just like life, you know, I think chemistry happens where you least expect it and sometimes horrible things happen to people that don't deserve it. I think you have to keep an open mind as to telling the story forward. And every year it gets a little harder to come up with the drama and stuff like that. Oh, but this year is so dramatic. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm so scared for you all. I'm so terrified. I'm mostly terrified for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave Lauren
0: her blonde hair back. So that's a step in the right direction from, you know, not I getting know. blasted by the and fans.
2: I, and I'm actually a little sad because we're doing this before tonight's episode, which is a pretty, Hot and heavy Lauren episode. I can say this because this will uh, air after. Oh, Annie just fainted. You lost, Annie. It's a second. We just have to defibrillate Annie. Okay. (sighs) Um, No, it's a big, it's a big, uh, big Lauren Bo reunion episode. Annie. (laughs) Annie, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> you'll, but you'll hate me later. Don't worry about it, baby. Uh, of course, of down. course. Yeah. It's up and down, up and down. So yep, yep. That's actually a really good lead
0: into our next question. Oh god. Is do you believe in letting your characters be happy?
2: Lauren, do yeah. I believe in it?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like can the characters be happy during the course of the show or is that is that when the story ends, is when the characters get happy?
2: Well, this is a good question. I mean, most romantic comedies end with happily ever after they don't end with like, Oh, my God, the baby's got diarrhea, and we have so many taxes to pay, which is real life. Um, although I would watch that movie. No, I wouldn't. So um, I think I want them to be happy because I love them. I truly, truly love them. But I think this is such a writer thing to say. Television is drama drama is what you come in for whether you know it or not as much as you would like dyson and bow to sit on the couch holding hands forever just kidding i know that's not what you want but um that's that's a boring show to me you know what i mean i mean we've all been on a date with the happy couple they're horrible who wants to spend time with them give me the eggs every day of the week yeah i desperately want them to be happy but i think this is a complicated world with real stakes and good and evil I would like Bo to figure out her shit, no doubt about it. You know what I mean? I would like her to be able to come to fruition, bring to fruition what she said, which is she wants to find a way to live as the fae who defends humans and doesn't have to pick a side. That is almost more important to me than happiness, that she gets to be who she wants to be versus who people are telling her she wants to be. You know what I mean? Or should be. That's kind of the feminist in me. That's what I think we should all strive to be, you know? maybe sometimes they can be happy for like five minutes okay <laughs> uh, off screen just kidding just kidding <laughs> that's what fan fiction is for though right fan fiction <laughs> yes i think they can eventually be happy but i think it's important to bring the drama right
1: yeah
2: are you guys ending the phone call is that the wrong no. answer
1: oh no no no, no. <laughs> no <my>
2: goodbye
1: <laughs> <laughs> and on that note no <laughs> Happy for five minutes? Uh-uh, not going to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe six minutes.
0: <laughs> so this is a question that I see people asking on Twitter a lot, not necessarily to, like, to you, but just in general. Okay. Is back in, in season two, in the episode Table for Faye, Kinsey had to promise the Morrigan a favor in the future right. for her not to mess with Nate. So do the writers still sort of like have that in their back yes. pocket? H- okay. H- have you decided what to do with it yet? Or are you still sort of figuring it out?
2: No comments. So we okay. have we have this delicious list, as well as the fake Bible I told you about, where we have the timeline. We actually have a piece of paper with unresolved issues on it, which is quite delicious. So that's on it. We have some other fun things that we maybe could answer, couldn't answer. I know people were screaming about the rune glass last year, but we always knew we were going to... Oh, is that you? Uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, it worked. It totally worked. They were teasing
3: me last week about it. But it did work, right? It did exactly. work. Exactly.
2: Thank you. I hope they bought you a vodka vagina drink. I, we'll apologize. You owe me, Stephanie. <laughs> they owe you. Um, so we actually do have a list, but much like the Morgan, who I think is biding her time to call in that favor when it most is uh beneficial to her, we sort of... We have plenty of story, but we do kind of have those hanging chads, if you will, to go back to 2004
0: <laughs> on a piece of paper. That's a very American joke, there, Emily. <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, thank you. That's well, right. I was born in Boston, so I'll just uh, slip that in there. So we do have some of those. Some of those, I think, are less important than others. Like real life, people are always say they're going to talk about something and then they never do. It gets awkward, whatever. But there are some big ones that we have standing, and some of them get answered this year. I would say.
0: Is there one in particular that you're, like, really excited to answer eventually? Maybe not, like, this season, but eventually? Is there one that's, like, at the top of your list? I
2: certainly think Who the Wanderer is is going to be interesting. Why Bo Went Dark Fey is going to be a big one. Like, why would she possibly betray the one thing that kind of defines her and is most important to her? I, I feel like there's not another one I can really talk about. We talked a little bit about Lauren's backstory last week. I think I think those are the only ones I can think of that I can talk about. Okay, you call you call me later. Okay, <laughs> you got my number now. Three AM after episode ten. I'll be awaiting the call. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jumping back to a, an episode that you wrote in the first season, which is actually not to suck up to you, but you actually wrote some of my favorite episodes. Oh, thanks. Especially early in the, seri- in the series.
2: When I got terrible. Then you <laughs> <when I> got. <laughs> Your early work was your best. I know. <laughs> fine, I got it. No, I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> in in Dead Lucky, we meet we meet oh, Meyer. Wow. Yeah, yeah. First one. Uh, well, at least chronologically, I guess. I don't know if he actually wrote it yeah. first, but. I didn't know that was anyone's favorite. (laughs) It's one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. So in Dead Lucky, we meet Meyer, but that character was in the original pilot. So I'm guessing he kind of already existed before you wrote that script. So I was kind of curious, did you get to create that character's backstory and why he owed Bo a favor, or was that already in place from the
2: pilot? Well, it's funny. You guys sound like you know what you're talking about. which is that the pilot was actually the pilot. You know what I mean? Which was so funny, but it obviously couldn't be what we call an origin pilot. Uh, The network had asked to see kind of a more typical episode. So we had this thing hanging over our heads in season one. We had this amazing episode, Vax, but we didn't quite know where to put it in the season. And obviously Michelle, God bless, had put in all this stuff we had to answer. So you're right, Stephanie, what happened is we knew that Bo was calling in a favor, but we had to establish where... Meyer had gotten you know had owed her the favor from so I knew we had to do that with my episode dead lucky so that's what we did we kind of worked backwards from it and I just love that character I thought he was so great he was really one of the original kind of shades of gray character like he was a dark fay, but obviously he loves his family he has his own code of ethics I'd love to bring him back. And I really love Cassie as well, the Oracle, um, who may or may not make it appearance this year. What? Spoiler. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting all the dirt. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but it was hard to answer all the questions in Vex. You know what I mean? Like, it really felt like we had to establish that Dyson and Bo had been together and she and Lauren and Bo had been together. Like, it was very complicated and it was very busy. But we're glad everyone came along for the ride in season one.
3: So, of course, Original Skin, which you wrote, is, you know, one of the fan-favorite episodes.
2: Oh, thanks.
3: So how does it feel to have written the most asked-about episode?
2: Oh, it feels amazing. The thing about that episode, which was so gratifying from a writing standpoint, was, first of all, I had literally just given birth about three weeks ahead of time. So, like, obviously I was on drugs. and was like, this would be so easy. (laughs) (laughs) So... The lesson is, if you want to write something good, definitely just have a screaming baby in the house, because it's going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I have written a couple of really high-concept episodes, and, like, it's just crazy sauce to be like, they're switching characters, but we need to know who's what character, so they're going to be wearing name tags. It could have gone completely, pardon me, tits up, right? Like, it could have just hit the wall except for two things, which was Jay Firestone had complete faith in me and was like, all right, crazy, you're just going to have to write this and see if it works. (laughs) And B, the cast committed. Absolutely. I mean, I think Chris Holden reed has never been better and they all got together and really rehearsed with each other. They were so supportive. Uh, You know, Zoe Palmer was complete crazy sauce, which was incredible. I mean, chew that scenery, baby girl, chew that scenery so good as Renard. But i said this before, I really don't think you could have done that show without a cast as strong as ours. Like you just, and you can't do it until the fans have fallen in love with the characters. You can't have characters acting out of characters unless people know they're acting out of characters. So that was also kind of a love letter to the response of the fans, which was their passion allowed us to do that kind of episode. And now we've been so gratified by the response to that is that we try to do one big high-concept comedy episode a year, which is such a pleasure. And I'm a super selfish hog about it. I always try to take it and write it. So there you go, um, for better or for worse. But I'm glad you guys got it, truly, truly, because it could have just been a disaster. You know what I mean? It could have not made sense. And I'm glad people love it. Really, I am. Like, so many people watching are like, I don't get it. So um, I'm glad the fans got it. Thank you.
0: So I, as a, as a big Lorian fan, I have to ask nobody really got to play Lauren. You know, she got shuffled off to, to limbo. It's yeah. like, if you, I don't know if, did you have any ideas as to who you would like to play? Lauren, you would have liked to have seen to try to play Lauren. If she hadn't been shuffled off to limbo, if she'd stayed
2: in the doll. So just to be clear, your question is why do you hate my baby girl, Lauren so much? <laughs> Which I often get that question on Twitter. Why do you hate her so much? Where's my baby girl, Lauren? She's a beautiful princess angel. It should be in every scene. How dare you put her in love. <laughs> Again, kudos for you for waiting 25 minutes to ask that question. Excellent <laughs> restraint. <laughs> well, clearly it's because Zoe Palmer's the devil, and you can tell her I said that. No. Um, who would I like to play, Laura? And who else could play Laura but Zoe? She's one of a kind. There you go. See? <laughs> Um, Okay, this is crazy, and I wouldn't do this because we've already been body swapping, but how crazy would it be? For me, the thing to do would switch Bo and Lauren. That would be the craziest thing, right? Is that if Bo got to be Lauren and then Lauren got to be Bo, I think that would be hilarious. Now, that sex scene would be all sorts of complicated. I don't even know. I don't even know who's on top. What's happening? There's no name tag big enough in the world for that. But, uh, But there you go, fan fiction. Go write it for me. <laughs> It would be fun for Bo to know what it feels like to be that smart, I think, and be in a head as busy and complicated as Lauren's. And I think Lauren would just get off on wearing the leather and kicking ass for once. So <laughs> so there you go, Stephanie. Do you think you'll ever forgive me for putting her in limbo? Oh, I don't hate you for
0: putting her in limbo. I was just curious because I always thought it might be you. interesting if Lauren and Dyson had swapped.
2: Oh, God, that would be complicated, too. <laughs>
0: That would be just a lot of awkward staring, though. Staring
3: <laughs>
2: okay, fair enough.
3: Okay, so you wrote Arachnophobia, Cage Faye, Those Who Wander, and In Memoriam. In the first episode, Kenzie kisses Lauren. In the second, Kenzie kisses Bo. Then Kenzie kisses Hale. And then Kenzie kissed Dyson. Yeah. So- like, are you trying to get Casenia Solo's lips on every other cast member? I'm just curious. Was there a bet involved? <sighs> no.
0: Or but... do you, uh, did Ksenia was like, can you do me a favor? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, bucks. but Ksenia's gonna is going to kill me for telling you this story, but I'm going to, um, <laughs> which is that when, we, when she got in memoriam, she said, oh, my God, I'm kissing Chris. I'm, I've kissed Hale, blah, 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 blah. And then she had this big, bright moment of realization where she said, Oh my God, I'm the secret hoe of the show. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I've kissed more people than Bo. And I said, Yes, you have. You've got the innocent angelic face, but no, I mean it's no secret that I'm a huge Kenzie fan. I just think that character is so phenomenal. Um, she really is an entrance for me into the world. She's this tough human. I'm not that tough, but uh Uh, In case you didn't guess from my pink headphones, I just mean I really love that she kind of puts it all out there and is so loyal, despite the fact that she's actually kind of the most vulnerable, you know, she and Lauren. I just really thought it was fun to revisit those kind of relationships without Bo. That kind of, it's a wonderful life. I mean, it's no secret that Kenzie and Dyson have a very special relationship, which we first saw in uh, 106, which I can't remember what it was called. It was Lauren Food for thought. Thank you. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) Yes, it was Lauren Bo mission. And then, you know, Kenzie was dying and Dyson was so lovely to her. And she kind of has chemistry with everyone. Like, that's the problem with Ksenia Solo, right? You just, like, put her on screen with a big bowl of bleach and suddenly you know it's magic it's candlelight dinners so um yes i i don't think i don't know if i did it knowingly i do like putting people together who aren't necessarily seen together on screen and there's a little bit of that going on this year that i'm really excited about so sorry for all the kissing
3: <laughs> well, the, the funny thing was, I wrote that question before 401 aired. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. It was oh, like, so funny. and now I'm just she's proving my theory
2: here. Good. <laughs> oh, oh, wow, and you guys are so much better prepared than I am. I like downloaded the Google uh, three minutes before the interview. So there you go.
0: <laughs> I have to say though, if there's going to be more Kenzie kissing people, really, I think the only pairing left you should try Kenzie and Tamson because Kenzie and Trick that would just wow. be that would just be weird,
2: too yeah, grandfatherly yeah that's a little weird that one's that mine might be a little hard
0: kenzie and dyson was weird enough but kenzie and
2: trick uh -uh, no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was interested I'm like are some people kenzie dyson fans oh yeah yeah. okay cool okay cool i can't keep track of all the ships but um i need a graph if if two characters exist somebody should there's a ship yeah (laughs) okay good well i told you i told this thing famously once in an interview that i went to see my hairdresser, and he was trying to be nice about the show, and he was like, "Oh, I just think Bo and that short guy should get together." And I was like, "I don't actually think you've watched the show." Uh, he's like, "That guy is hot."
0: Well, Rick Halland is very handsome, but no, he's very <laughs>
2: handsome, but no, he's so handsome, and he's the loveliest guy. He has some really fun stuff this year, though. Uh, you'll see him in a whole new light. But um, sorry, what was the question? I totally. You- blanked out. It was you like answered Kenzie. it already.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, you answered it. It was good. Okay, good. Oh yeah, there's also the Bruce and Kenzie fans, the Brenzy ones, which I know we're getting Bruce back.
2: Oh yeah, Bruce is back this episode. He's so yeah. funny. Oh sorry, no Chris was asking about Tamson and Kenzie. I didn't answer no, that. No no that was Stephanie. Oh Stephanie, sorry. So my thing is um well now they have kind of a weird relationship though where Kenzie is kind of her big sister. You know what I mean? Certainly right now. She's kind of taking her under her wing which I really love. Yes, Bruce is a fan favorite, which is so fun for Rob Archer, who's such a good guy, and I feel like he never gets to play these types of roles, you know? He's kind of the sensitive guy, really warm, and he just has gotten better and better and better. So this week's episode, which you'll see, he has a really fun encounter with Kenzie and (laughs) Tamson.
1: So we kind of did this a little bit, but how how challenging was it to do the transition from season three to season four without Bo? And making Ksenia the central actor and you know, showing off her dancing talent.
2: Right. That was easy. But um it was certainly a challenge. We are all it's really boring, but we are truly such a big family. We all really, really love each other. You could not ask for a more wonderful lead than Anna Silk. She is the classiest, warmest, best person I've ever met in my life. She's just such a genuine good person. And she takes care of everybody. It's so important to her that everyone on set is treated well. She's so respectful. And, you know, speaking of being a feminist, I myself have kids. Jay Firestone and the gang were incredibly respectful to me when I went off on my maternity leave. So when we found out Anna was pregnant, it was incredibly important to us to respect them. you know, to say, okay, we're going to make this work. You want to be a mom? We will work around it. That's important to us to show that you can do it all. We had a gift, which is that we knew that Bo was going to be snatched by the wanderer well before we knew that Anna was pregnant. So that was just uh, serendipity, you know, that Beau had disappeared and was going to disappear. So it wasn't so hard. It was a fun challenge. One thing I really noticed is as fun as the first three episodes are, you really miss Anna both on set and we miss her on screen. You really, you know, it's really easy to take the lead for granted because they're often the straight man for lack of a better term, straight woman. I just feel like you really realize what, a warm presence Bo brings to the group is. What a warm presence she is, even though she's kind of a sexual, you know, feeder, she's just so human and so warm. And she's really the anchor for the whole group. So certainly we missed her on screen. I really love the chance to kind of play in the playground without her. I thought Castany did an incredible job. She really rose to the occasion. As did Chris, everybody did, but I'm so happy she's back. You know what I mean? And she's back better than ever. So it was a challenge, but we had to get the timing actually was about as good as we could get. You've
0: said that Kenzie's a favorite character of yours. So did Kenzie emerge pretty early as being sort of the person who could be the central character for the first episode for you since there was no bow.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think she was kind of the only choice, you know, really, she was, we could have done Lauren, but we really wanted, but then Lauren was sort of isolated from the rest of the group and it was important to use as many characters as we could without both. like you don't want to just sort of be with one character outside by themselves you know with trick in the trunk that's a hard first premiere that's not gonna be very good so um yeah it was easy i mean ksenia is so skilled she's she works so hard she's so amazing she's so funny that we knew she should she could pick up the gauntlet you know and every year she does a little bit more so um we weren't too worried about that
0: so, Lost Girl has had some really great guest stars this season. We had we had George Takei, who I thought was delightfully creepy, and mm. and Mia Kirshner, who is a was a lot of fun. I really hope we see we see more of her. Right. And then there's Allie Liebert, who Chris and I really, really love. Oh, God! And since you were, like, the matriarch of the law fandom, I have to ask, can we keep
2: her, please? Oh, you want to keep her? Like, at the pack? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, on the show? Oh, on the oh, show. Whatever. Okay, I was like, do I, you want me to personally deliver Allie Liebert? I can talk to her agent. I, <laughs> I wouldn't turn <laughs> me <out." laughs> Yeah, it's going to be weird. Yeah. That is a weird Christmas present. Getting her over the border is going to be killer. But um, Yeah. Yeah, she's pretty amazing and i think she's so warm i can't really say whether we can keep her or not let me put it this way we really like that actress so we've
0: really and well i should chris and i have really enjoyed
1: (laughs) i know
3: your silence speaks volumes over there we've finally gotten annie to warm up to ally Liebert.
1: if if not crystal (laughs) if i can warm up to crystal anybody can so
2: yeah fair enough yeah
1: (laughs)
0: Though Annie did put a caveat, she's like, Allie Liebert can stay if there's a rule in place that she must be at least 18 inches from my blurring at all times. Okay, fair
1: enough.
2: There's a, there's, enough. There's there's a, a restraining order in place, so yeah. Okay, excellent. We'll put on one of those big dog things around her head. <laughs> Dogs get surgery. So she can't make out with any, you know, girls in the vicinity. She just can't get near Lauren. It, it, it'll be sexy, though. It'll be a sexy dog collar. Yeah. With rhinestones. Sound like dish. Yeah.
3: Now, to be clear, Stephanie and I don't mind it. We don't mind it.
2: I can't get in the, I can't get in the middle of this. It, literally, this is going to be a throwdown. Yeah.
1: So this As is Annie Attacks Me.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, got pretty UFC over there.
1: So, so I said, uh, can I ask this question? They're like, yes, Annie, we will give it to you. You can um, ask anything. So who came up with the concept of the car wash scene? Okay. And uh, were there any good tidbits from the behind the scenes of shooting that scene? How many ice cream cones were used, et cetera? Although Zoe said it was 13, I think.
2: <laughs> I right know, there. and the ice cream's got its own hashtag, my God. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I really will rarely do this because we have such an incredible team, but I'm very proud to say I had just seen Bad Teacher, and I was like, we need to do a car wash scene. And in the context of the episode, it really works because it's really, like, supposed to be the hottest day of the year and stuff like that. What behind-the-scenes tidbits can I tell you? The car was very dirty, and mean, <laughs> thorough cleaning. <laughs> Zoe Bomber was very hot, and the ice cream melted accordingly. Um, I, get, I don't know what to tell you, except that, you know, Anna's so adorable. She's always kind of, like, tentative at the beginning. She's like, am I going to be able to pull this off? And then, like, five minutes later, 50 pickup trucks crash into each other because this girl is, like, sexy cleaning a truck. And we're like, yeah, we're pretty sure you can pull it. So um, it was really fun. But I was it was one of those opportunities on set where I was on set and I actually had to say like at first hand I was kind of like happy scrubbing it Laura Ingalls style and I was like you just gotta get sexier like get on the get on the windshield and she's, like really? And, like, slow motion like you know squeeze that sponge into your bosom and you know Zoe, Zoe was just waiting patiently with ice cream cone number six on the side but yeah there's been a lot of speculation about the ice cream cone I, I'm very impressed so I think part of
0: the speculation is because Zoe mentioned at one of the Comic Con she did that the ice cream was soy because of Anna Silk. And so we're like, is Anna going to be licking the ice cream cone?
2: <clears throat> Anna, really, Palmer is such a shit disturber. Honestly, that <laughs> girl. She like pops up every six months and she's just like, yeah, vagina vodka. And then takes off and lets the rest of the paint <laughs> go with it. Soy ice cream. And she did bring me my koala from Australia. So good. <laughs> She's in I know, so I'm much really- trouble. So much trouble. If anything
3: happens to her in season five, we'll know why. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Killed by killer fake koalas. Exactly. That'll teach you. Um, or like under a mass of ice cream cones. There you go, fans. How you like that? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I'm so much ice cream? No. No. What a way to go now. Bo has to lick her out of it. There you go. Um... um Well, I have to give Showcase credit, though. That actually is a scene from an episode, and then Showcase fell in love with it so much that they said we should actually release the scene, part of the scene, anyway, as a teaser, and it got quite a good response. So that was well played. Clearly it worked. It can't possibly live up to your expectations, though. I'm terrified.
1: You briefly we joke about season, you know, future seasons, but are there... How are the prospects looking for a season five?
2: Keep watching, fans. Keep watching. Keep up on social media. You know, anyone who lives in Canada, I don't know, get a Nielsen box. You know, Showcase is incredibly supportive, and obviously the show is a hit for them. It is a hit for them. It's their... Number one show, I believe, possibly tied with Continuum. Um, I don't want to get in trouble for saying that, but it is a hit. It has such a huge international presence. It has such a huge social media presence. That's really good. You know, and feel free to say what you want about the show. That is your right. But I would say, you know, encourage them to make more. That's what I would say. So I think the prospects look good. How about that?
0: So obviously, I can't talk to you without asking you about the love triangle. So Chris and I went to, to Dragon Con this year, and at one Hi. of the panels, Chris Holden-Reed was asked about the love triangle, and he right. said that he would like for the writers to maybe do something different besides Bo just choosing one or the other, and I know there are fans out there who are really, like, team both. Yes. It's like, so have the writers or would the writers consider a team both option, maybe?
2: Team both. Uh, maybe. We'd consider anything for the right amount of pretzel burgers. Um, <laughs> No, we we consider all options, and it really is such a divided fandom. I'm not really sure we're going to make everybody happy. That being said, I do understand that people might be getting a little weary of the love triangle. I understand that. Um, team both. So you're suggesting come some sort of fusion via Fae, where they're all uh, together? I don't know. I don't know, man.
0: I don't know. The show has been very groundbreaking in the way that it's portrayed uh, same-sex relationships, and, right. and I, I have a lot of friends who are are polyamorous, so they have multiple partners, and right. and so that would be very bro- groundbreaking to see that portrayed on a television show. So, I'm just saying, you could screw it up, Emily, or you can.
2: Get- <laughs> <laughs> got it, got it. What was that job you wanted? Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, we tried to touch a little bit on that
0: right, in last three. year
2: mm-hmm. with both sort of saying, I need more. I can't be physically monog- monogamous, right? But I also mm-hmm. thought, to be honest, I'm going to challenge you here, that it was important that Lauren said, I don't think I can do this. You know what I mean? Because right. I have also had friends in polyamorous relationships who have found it quite unbalanced. I also have friends in polyamorous relationships who it works perfectly fine for them. But we don't always choose who we fall in love with and what they actually need. That would be interesting. It would be certainly groundbreaking. Baby steps for us. You know, I feel like every year we push it a little bit more. And being in Canada, I feel like we have been able to do some extraordinary things. The thing that's most important to me is we really don't try to label it. Um, I think Lauren and Beau's relationship has been a, about a relationship, not about the fact that they're both women. Certainly, certain things are brought to the table because they're both women. Same with Dyson and Beau. Their problems are not just because he happens to have a penis. Um, they're just, you know, fey human or fey fey, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, there's lots of places we could take it. We d- It just depends on number of seasons and how the story evolves.
3: Have we heard the last about the dawning because I know fans have some questions about it, like why Bo went through the dawning so early and stuff, or, or can you not say? Right. I can't really
2: tell you. That's interesting. They still have some questions about it. Like, what the hell? Is their one, number one question? Why did she, I think part of the reason she went through it so early is because of the events of season two. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think by thralling everybody in her blood to fight the Garuda, something was sort of accelerated within Bo. That was mm-hmm. certainly our intention. Um, that doesn't explain everything. Again, certainly Bo's origins are going to come into play. She's obviously a very unusual fae we haven't seen before. So I can't I can't really answer that. Sorry. Go, Donning. Team Donning. Nobody's team Donning. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of Team Donning T-shirts. <laughs>
0: Because of Bo being a succubus, sex is a very sort of important part of her as a person, and it's Mm -hmm. a very important part of the show. But I I really appreciate that the sex scenes on Lost Girl aren't just there to be titillating. There's almost something, almost always something revealed about the characters or their relationship, or the scene is actually important to the plot, which like never happens, it seems like most of the time with sex scenes. I was just wondering do the writers have like a checklist or a process of deciding when it's appropriate to include a sex scene?
2: Um, it's always appropriate on Lost Girl. No. Um, we, we do tend, we want the sex to be hot and fun when it's supposed to be hot and fun. I mean, I really love that Bo is like, I need this baby. But, and she does, she needs it to live, which I think is great. So we really try to stick to our guns as far as this is what she needs. She feeds on this. Everybody who doesn't like it can suck it. But we do try to make it part of the plot. You know what I mean? It does usually serve a purpose. I mean, just like in your real life, I think sex can just be sex or it can reflect where you are emotionally in your relationship, or you can be thinking about someone else. Um, So thank you. We do try to use it within the story. You know what I mean? And certainly even we try to indicate what kind of sex it is, you know, like, is it a, is it a tender sex scene between Bo and Lauren? Is it Bo kind of angry? Like we saw last week with Dyson, you know, I think she was just so angry. And I talked about her kind of feeling helpless that she wanted to take control of something. And that, Something happened to be Dyson's job, <laughs> so you know the tone of the sex scene is also very important to the story. But we strive to just also keep it fun. I think it's a big part of the series, so we we keep trying to push it. Um, so this is a question courtesy of Sally, who's
1: one of our biggest supporters I know, and listeners. Sally. Yeah, I she's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So in relating to uh, 301 and Caged Faye when Bo says it's time to Lauren, right? Was it just, you know, it's time to signify their their relationship or getting together? Or is it more of a double meaning for it's time for television to show a story like this? Oh,
2: that's really nice. Yeah. You know what? I didn't actually have that meaning, but I think that's really such a lovely interpretation of it. Go Sally. Hmm. Um, I I really didn't mean it's time for us. You know what I mean? We meant it's finally time. No more excuses. And you know, not to speak out of turn, but that actually, that speech actually had a little bit more written to it. And, you know, Jay made the decision in edit to take some of it out. And that's perfectly fine. There was a little bit more back and forth between Lauren and Bo about the fey human thing, I think, where Lauren was kind of like, but you're fey, I'm human. And Bo said something like, I don't care what you are. I just need you to be mine or something like that, which is really lovely. Um, But I do think it was perfect. I do think it was perfect. And what a lovely thought that it it is time. It is time for that relationship to be showcased on television. So I'm going to say, of course, I meant that. I did it all. But uh, I'm a genius. No, that's a brilliant interpretation. And I certainly think it is time, you know. Yeah, I wish. I, I, it's funny. I think it's quite funny that Lost Girl has this protagonist who is truly bisexual and last year had a true relationship with a woman. You know, I feel that's kind of happening under the radar a little bit, which is really funny. But in a way, it's also great. It's kind of just happening and people don't seem to be too shocked by it. They seem really excited about it, which is great. So yeah, well, go, Sally. I love you. <laughs> so speaking of Sally, she actually is,
3: is in the middle of, like, coming up with some sort of plan to bribe you with food to come to Dragon Con next year? No, wait, we oh, want I'd you at to Fan Expo. Because
1: they're going to Dragon Con, but I'm going to Fan Expo, so <laughs> okay. I'll have to bribe you well, on my see.
2: side. If I'm involved with the show, I will, but Dragon Con is supposed to be nuts. I know Paul and Chris went this year, and I was just like, oh my god, this is going to be horrible. Please don't get each other pregnant. That's all I they they had a little too much fun, I think. Yeah, yeah, sure. those two are like genuinely incredibly close. They're such good guys. I would love to go to Dragon Con if I can get a room. I'll just sleep on Sally's floor. Tell her that <laughs> Sally <laughs> yeah. would be totally okay with that. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. And Fan Expo was always a gas. I had a great time at Fan Expo this year. I always love Comic Con. It's the more formal one, but. Fan Expo. I just met fans from all over the world. It was incredible. I met people from, like I said, I met some from the Middle East who said we have to download this show and we could kind of get shot for watching it. And I was like, oh, that's not so good. But um, thank you for watching. Um, it was incredible. I love Fan Expo and it's in Toronto. So no excuse not to come. I'd love to bring my daughter. She's six. And they dropped me off, and she was so amazed by all the women in amazing superhero costumes. She was like, I saw an Iron Woman and stuff like that. So I always think that would be amazing. She's not quite old enough now to watch the show. She gets the bow as a superhero. That's kind of what she understands about the show. But sure, I'll come send some food. Well will <laughs> let Sally know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let Sally, 1-800-MORE-FOOD-TO-ME. Oh, yeah, Just <laughs> Just feed me when I get okay. there. It doesn't even have to be that complicated. So we'll yeah. we'll do that.
1: See, I'm I'm trying to keep I'm trying to convince you to stay in Fan Expo because unfortunately Fan Expo and Dragon Con are on the same weekend next year, so
2: we have to pick. Oh hey? my
1: god! And I'm like, oh god, fight, fight, fight! Yeah, yeah.
2: It's a new it's it's a new triangle. Team Dragon Con versus <laughs> team. Man, expo yeah versus team emily sleeps in and goes no, <laughs> no. <laughs> versus team emily gets more food than she's ever asked for <laughs> exactly yeah don't scare me with the food now i'm actually getting freaked out like. <laughs> but, like 50 fans just watching me expecting me to finish seven lobster rolls or something weird um well that's two minutes at the same time boo but yay so wherever boy. you go we're gonna have yeah. to split the vote with the actors and everything too We'll see. Of course Dragon Con is four days, so Yeah. Well, that's pretty yeah. fun. Plus Thanks it's for... in Hot Lanta, isn't it? In Hot Lanta? Yes it, it is. is. Do we still call it Hot Lanta or is that kind of two thousand and six? I have no I idea. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> we'll just own it. We pretend we, we everyone calls it that. Okay.
1: But yeah, it was cool to meet you at Fan Expo. It is so fun to see you. Thank you. you. I feel like I really
2: and... I feel like I really scared you though. Oh
1: no no no. I just you know, we're just uh, I'm just co. You know, I'm just co-hosting with these guys. We're just a little podcast. So wow.
2: Well, thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah. This is really fun. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So keep. Is that it? I guess we're done, right?
1: Well, is there any any other one thing you'd like to express to the fans? Wait, did you have like an answer prepared that you didn't get to use? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't.
2: I thought it would be grilled more. No, it was great. So um, no, I would just like to say thank you so much for watching. You know recognize that it is a journey we're going somewhere we kind of sometimes want you to be outraged and angry and feel things and just stay engaged i always say that to the fans i really have been just so moved by everyone's passion for the show it is incredible to be part of something so incredible and honestly you could not follow our more worthy group of people they're all really really lovely people so season four it's cuckoo
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. All right. Well, thanks, Thank you. Thank you. So, thank you again to Emily Andrus for for coming on the show and putting up with our fangirling. I, I very embarrass- embarrassingly, when she joined us on Google Hangouts, she heard me say, "Oh my god." <laughs>
1: <laughs> because she was early, and we're like, "Oh my god!" And she saw all of our terrified faces. It was, it was more of a, "It's really happening." <laughs> yes. Yes. We didn't
3: imagine it. It's not it's not a joint delusion.
0: <laughs> but she was as always delightful to talk to and we really appreciate her taking the time to talk to three giggly fan girls. <laughs> giggly and awkward. And we're still <laughs> giggling as you can tell. Let us know what you your thoughts about what Emily had to say this week. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes for this episode over at drinksatthedoll.com/30 or you can email us at feedback at drinksatthedoll.com, or you can call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. And just as a reminder, we do still have our Season 3 DVD giveaway going on. For more information about that and how to enter, goes to drinksatthedoll.com giveaway. Thank you so much for listening to Drinks at the Doll. My name is Stephanie. And I'm Annie. And I'm Chris. And not sorry this time. (laughs) Not sorry either. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Cheers.